This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I am Madison Timmons. I'm Chris Susie. And we're paranormal specialists who live in the most haunted city on earth, Savannah, Georgia. Every day is Halloween in our line of work, so join us as we spin true tales of haunts, murders, and disturbing Savannah history. I'm Madison. I'm Chris. And, and welcome, welcome to, to the most haunted city on earth. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of The Most Haunted City on Earth. My name is Madison Timmons. I'm Chris Susie. And I'm Bathsheba. You mighty, are mighty not Bathsheba. Bathsheba. Get thee behind me. <laughs> oh, maybe. Maybe maybe he is Bathsheba. Wow. She doesn't actually do that. She was actually really hated upon, and it's really rude. That's fair. A misunderstood woman. She, listen... Listen, she was not a nice lady, but she was not a witch. Misunderstood. She was misunderstood. She wasn't killing babies with needles in their skull. Oh, wow. That we know of. That we know of. <laughs> that we can prove. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, but, yes. Yeah, you're not Bathsheba. You're whatever was haunting Taryn in the... Gonk? Not the gonk. <laughs> no, Taryn was the, the insidious devil. Oh, the insidious in devil. The tunnel. Right. You're the lipstick yes. man. I'm yeah, lipstick man. man. Yeah, okay. exactly. I'll take it. Yeah. But, uh, well, hello, y'all. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, we have a podcast, everyone. <laughs> yes. Uh, well, welcome. We are going to be doing another ghost mail today. Um, but You've well, got ghost mail. You've got ghost mail. Um, but before we get into that, uh, first off, Obviously, by JT calling himself Bathsheba, we're going to be at the Conjuring House on uh, Thursday, Thursday night, night into yes, Friday. Are. JT will be turning 30 years old in the Conjuring House. We hope. Uh, hopefully. If I can make it to 5.05 a.m. So, you know, 5.15 a.m. is Uh-oh. like a really bad time in the Conjuring House. Really? Yes. Okay, so, so I'm into it. Ten minutes into your uh, new year, yeah. <laughs> your fight new, the demons. Your new rotation around the sun, you might be dragged out into an okay. ether. You never know. I invite that as long as the cameras stay rolling. Well, and we are bringing our pair of junkies with us. Yes, we, we are. are. We're bringing Absolutely. the pair of junkies. We're doing live streaming from the Conjuring House, uh, mm-hmm. and we've got a lot of exciting plans uh, mm-hmm. uh, going on in the Conjuring House. Uh, we are being joined by the Ghost Brothers, Yahoo! the entire team Woo-woo. coming with us, uh, and they are going to be, uh, you know, doing what they do best, making us laugh, and uh, <laughs> and hopefully uh, we will have lots of great footage. And uh, we've even discussed putting a 
360 camera. Yes. So that uh, later on, you can put on some virtual reality goggles and sit in the Conjuring House. Yeah. Uh, you know, That's in, cool. In, yeah. And, and experience what it's like to be there with, you know, whatever sounds we can, you know, get uh, – uh, where that camera is. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be awesome. Exactly. I'm so stoked. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, the pair of junkies, uh, as long as, um, God willing and the Creek don't rise, then, um, <laughs> we will be live streaming for 12 hours. Uh, you never know. These ghosts like to act full. If you've been sure. around for a while and seen our investigations, most of the time it's pretty successful in technical world, but you know, sometimes, uh, like the Sorrel weed house, um, yeah. we have seen some critical technical failure based on what we believe to be supernatural interference. Exactly. Yeah. It's very common for, um, technology to be the first thing to be disrupted. Batteries when you're drained. Exactly. Uh, pictures shut off. Um, so, um, as long as everybody in the conjuring house paranormally, um, behave themselves <laughs> and we will have a consistent live stream for y'all. And that is for para junkies only. Um, so when you're hearing this, you still have a couple days to hop onto the para junkie train to be able to catch all of that. It's going to be a really great time. Um, you guys are going to get to see us. Who knows what's going to happen to us in that house? We do not know. Honestly, that has been the consensus I have gotten from people when I tell them that I'm going into this house. Is they're like, I'm concerned for you. you there, know? Are, there are concerning aspects, to, to be sure. You know, it's so hopefully uh, we make it out. I mean, the winter alone. I'm the fact that, that we are we are moving into the winter, oh, yeah. a, a pretty devastating winter, right? Because there's like a polar vortex going through this week, uh, this upcoming yeah. week yeah. that mm -hmm. is going to, you know, ice and freeze everything. So it should be, uh, it should be interesting uh, because we are thin skinned Southerners. Yes, we are. <laughs> well, and I mean, I was born in new England, but I have long since adapted to, to the warmer weather. You have thinned out. <laughs> I, thinned out. I, I like the cold, but I've noted in recent years that the cold can affect me again, mm -hmm. can, can make me a little, uh, uncomfortable well and it's also important to note uh one of the biggest attributes about the conjuring house is that these ghosts suck all the heat out of yeah. everything absolutely mm -hmm. they literally they use the ambient temperature to power themselves that's like their favorite thing to do mm -hmm. and so um yeah but of course if we're there and we're like i feel a cold spot it's like well it is january in Rhode Island. Well, if it's, <laughs> it's like a cold spot is not, you know, it's not going to be a great indicator. It's like, it's very cold right here. Yes. It's very cold everywhere. <laughs> well, if it's anything like what Carolyn went through, Carolyn said that it was the type of cold that literally numbs your brain. Well, I've so said time and time again that uh, ghost hunts in the cold when it's cold outside because you become the target because your body heat becomes the heat that the spirits seek out because you are radiating heat. Mm. And um, and if they're using heat to give them energy and give them power during the colder months, during the colder time, and this is also why a lot of ghost stories take place in the cold, in the you know October to February time period, is because in that cold, the spirits need to find that ambient temperature. And if it's not going to be in the air, which yeah. it isn't, it's going to be from a person. Yeah, they just want to cuddle. So we just need to find uh, who has the warmest, you know, body temperature. It's probably mm -hmm. me. And then set them <laughs> in the corner and be like, "Go sit over there. Go sit over there." 
Oh, yeah. You'd be ghost so, bait. So, uh, yeah. Madison, as someone who is extremely sensitive to the paranormal, like extremely sensitive to the paranormal, can see, feel, do all of it, uh, how are you feeling about being in arguably the most haunted house in America? I'm nervous, um, to say the least, is not necessarily from the entities that I think were attracted to the parent family. Although I do think there's one in particular, the broken neck lady who, um, Andrea Perrin brought up a really good point of, and we'll, uh, when to listen to our, our yeah, listen to, but you'll, you'll hear about this in that episode, but Andrea Perrin brought up a good point of that. She thinks that this entity has been around is ancient sure. because it's spoken mm-hmm. dialects. Sure that were not of the time when Bathsheba would have been alive. Sure. And sure, sure. Bathsheba was associated with the broken neck lady. And so, right. right. Many people wanted to believe that it was, uh, you know, the hanging right. that broke the neck. Uh, so the broken neck lady was a, a hanged woman. And, and according to lore, they believed that, uh, Bathsheba had been hanged like on property. Which right. I don't believe is true. There was somebody who was hanged on property, right. but it was not her. It was not Bathsheba. Um, and so the thing was, is that, I feel like she may still be around. Who knows? Um, but I find uh, just my thoughts, at least, is that a lot of times when a lot of attention is brought onto a paranormal, a paranormally active location, the entities that made it famous in the first place, especially ones that are in a very remote area, there are spirits that want to be left alone or only want to interact with a few people. They don't want constant attention. And so it makes me question if some of those spirits are gone by now and there's new ones that do Mimics, want the attention. Yeah. Uh, you know? That's that's a big thing. It's it's when a story is told over and over and over again, there are a lot of opportunistic parasitic spirits that will assume the identity mm-hmm. of the you know um, entities in question like if you're like oh that's where the broke neck lady is and then a spirit's like I can do that you know, right I, I can portray the broke neck lady and you will give me all your food exactly and so when you're dealing with entities like that that's where I get concerned because I don't like messing with parasitic or malignant type entities in that way because they will they also do- feed on your fear so yes. they, they find the thing that really bothers you. And then tries to replicate that for the attention that you get. Yeah, it's like a boggart. It's very well, and that's mm-hmm. you know the, the boggart is 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 not a a invention solely of the mm-hmm. Harry Potter universe. In that you know there are entities that seek your fear, mm-hmm. inhabit your fear, so that your attention, you know that very very delicious attention that you give the things you fear, can be heightened. It's like sweet nectar. Sweet nectar. <laughs> I would feed on your fear. <laughs> exactly. Uh, well, let's get into the ghost mail, y'all. All right, this is a ghost mail episode. Yes, we've been blathering. We'll save that for our episode where we talk about our We um, do have further theories. blathering to, to, to go on. So this first one comes from our listener named Salem. Hello. Hello, Salem. I like your name. Um, hello, my name is Salem, and my pronouns are they, them. First and foremost, I absolutely love your podcast. I've been binging it every chance I get. Thank you very much, Salem. Awesome, awesome, awesome. I've always been immensely attracted to the paranormal and supernatural, and I love hearing stories from other people as I have quite a few of my own experiences to share. And it makes me feel less crazy. 
Now, some backstory. I do not identify as a woman, as I am non-binary. However, the women in my family seem to be particularly attuned to the supernatural. Not that anyone ever mentions, uh, really mentions it. It has been mentioned maybe once or twice in hushed voices, and then my mom and grandmother would usually immediately change the subject. But every single one of us has had more than the normal amount of paranormal slash supernatural experiences. And oftentimes all of us uh, will see or hear the same thing at the same time uh, that no one else seems to notice. And we all share a glance, but we know the rules and don't give it any attention. I'm actually a bit scared to share these as it's giving them attention, but I feel like they need to be shared. Anyways, no one ever talked much uh, at all about it, but my mother likes to drink. And when she would drink, we would get some of her stories. That's when all the good stuff comes out. (laughs) Now, also, I was born and raised in Texas, as was my mother. Um, So all of these stories happen somewhere in Texas. This first story is one of my mom's, and it gives me chills to this day. My mom wasn't ever really close with her parents and ended up living most of her childhood with her grandfather and grandmother in Lubbock, Texas. Lubbock. Lubbock. Um, to this day, she swears her grandmother and aunt summoned and did things that they do, did not fully understand nor prepare for. She hated that house. She specifically would avoid the back two bedrooms for many reasons. Uh, most of them were experiences she's had in those rooms. And also, it just felt wrong. And the two back rooms to her. Um, my mom is terrified of snakes, like deathly afraid of snakes. My mom is too. Um, her aunt used to have a rattlesnake preserved in formaldehyde. I don't know how to spell that. Sorry if it's wrong. I, I think you are correct on how to spell formaldehyde. Um, (laughs) but that she absolutely hated. She used to accidentally look at it or run into it in the living room or sometimes in her room all the time. And she swore it was her aunt, uh, being mean to her. Her aunt always adamantly denied it. This happened all throughout my mom's teenage years. Her, um, oh, yeah. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right. Um, This happened all throughout my mom's teenage years. Her aunt passed away when mom was like 20, I think. And the rattlesnake ended up in a closet for quite a while until after my younger sibling was born. By the time mom was about 27. Anyways, my mom and my sibling's dad were cleaning out that old house to get ready to move in since her grandparents had passed away. And it was left to my mom and her parents. They get to this closet and the rattlesnake is in the front of the top of the closet and scared the absolute shit out of my mom. (laughs) She (laughs) screams and backs up and ends up bumping um, something and knocking it into this jar. The jar falls and shatters the snake falls out and formaldehyde is everywhere. Oh, Oh, man. Your mom. (laughs) Poor thing. (laughs) 
My sibling's dad comes out and helps her clean it up, and they throw the pieces and the snake away. They finish for the day and end up staying the night in the house. At this point, I think they had an apartment that they leased uh, that they leased was almost up. And according to my mom, it feels wrong. The whole house just feels wrong, but they stay anyways. So mom wakes up and is getting up out of bed and looks at the nightstand next to her and the snake jar is sitting there like it was never broken and completely untouched. What? That is concerning. Shane. At first, my mom thinks it's my sibling's dad that is messing with her, and he has gone and bought another snake and and was pissed and confronts him about it, and he denies having anything to do with it. He's just as surprised as she is now, and now they are both freaked out because they know for sure it was broken yesterday. So they are confused and end up just deciding to take it to the dumpsters and throw it away. Again, so they do that and then go on about their day trying to forget the snake. But for some reason, my mom just cannot get the snake out of her mind. She goes to sleep that night and has nightmares about the snake attacking her, me and my sibling. I was a toddler and my sibling was a baby. And then with my grandparents. Um, And it just feels evil. She wakes up and checks the bedside table. Nothing's there. She's relieved and they go about their day again, finishing up the rest of the house. And by the end of the day, she's all but forgotten about the snake as she's glad she didn't have to see it again. And it's now trying to convince her and is now trying to convince herself. It was just a weird coincidence and that my sibling's dad was lying and messing with her. They get their things ready to leave and my mom gets this awful feeling about being watched and is drawn back to the closet that they first found the snake in. She says that she feels the intense urge that she needs to open that closet and she needs to let something out. It's so intense that she ends up doing it even though every part of her said no. She opens it and the snake jar is sitting in the top (sighs) of the closet right there. My word, that's intense. A lot. Um where it originally was she screams at this point and the sibling's dad runs in and sees it and says they need to leave right now they end up rushing out of the house and not coming back for a few days my mom is plagued with nightmares every single day until she decided that they need to do something about it because she feels like me and her are in danger if we just leave it be so she talks with the sibling's dad and they decide they are going to break it and burn it good choice Um, so they are evangelical christians so they also decided they need to pray um over it as well and they do this and my mom to this day when she talks about it swears that while it was burning she heard hissing and saw a hand reach out of the fire towards her after they did this the snake didn't give them any more problems well, um, so, okay. So we'll take a pause there. Take a pause. Um, so Salem, uh, Salem sent in another story. So we're going to discuss that. Have you ever heard of a possessed snake in formaldehyde before? I think that's no, a first I think for me. Whenever you deal with an object that has been destroyed and then is re- restored, that is such an immense amount of energy. Uh, if something is shattered, if something is broken, and then – because I've heard that story before. Mm-hmm. And, and oddly enough, um, I've heard a story similar to that with a doll whose um, – well, a porcelain-faced doll whose face mm. shattered. And then at some point, they went back and the face was fine. Right. And it's like, okay, that's weird. 
you know, reversing damage is so very difficult. <laughs> and it raises that question of what was that first instant? What was it, what was the snake? You know, what was it to begin with? Because it doesn't sound like you're actually dealing with a physical object at all. No. It's some kind of spiritual manifestation of something. Uh, the fact that there is uh, earlier not notice that the house itself was the site of some form of conjuring mm -hmm. or some form of things. It's very possible that the snake in the jar was acting kind of in that genie sense, you know, sealed in evil. And when it, the jar broke, it now had some kind of agency and some kind of ability. Uh, normally, I would definitely not suggest burning uh, cursed items or, or possessed objects, uh, as that oftentimes just releases the spirit, um, which it sounds like it may have done. Right. You know, uh, seeing the hand come out of the fire, seeing that suggests that the spirit released from the confines of the jar and the snake and the body. Um, and just very luckily, its goal was not harming your family. Right. It probably just had a, a, a more um, intense goal to go about. <laughs> but yeah, that, that's a very intense story. It's a very intense story because it's, it's getting Ouija board. Um, <laughs> right. yes. And so um, a part of me wonders, I have two theories because I don't think that children who are messing with the occult necessarily, that's not to say it's not possible, are advanced enough to allow entry into something like that and then know how to seal it. Right. What no, no. What makes me wonder is that if a family member, your aunt, whoever, found this at a flea market exactly. or something. Right. The, and the, the, whatever it was was already in the snake. Exactly. Because this, to me at least, sounds like advanced witchcraft. Of it sort, does. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. Um, because rattlesnakes are very important in some closed practices. And so... Um, well, even in... Um, very uh, particular sects of Christian uh, faith here in Georgia, mm -hmm. we have, you know, the rattlesnake roundup. We have, uh, you know, snake handlers who use rattlesnakes uh, as the embodiment of the devil to exert their faith power over the, uh, you know, over the snake. Um, and that in itself is like, oh, you know, these this is a highly symbolic animal. Right. You know, this is a highly, you know, um, as as basic as it comes is you know the garden and evil eating the, the snakes representation of satan is is so clear mm -hmm. that whenever you're dealing with with snake as the as the icon of a story yeah it's easy to it's easy to find that so, um, that road yeah concerning though um hopefully your mom never experiences whatever that was again um Creepy, nonetheless. But anywho, uh, moving on to Salem's next story. Um, so the second story is one of my own. My mother has had struggles with addiction and alcoholism, among with other things. Uh, so this led me and my siblings uh, being in and out of my grandparents' house all of the time. I'd say a vast majority of our childhood was spent at our grandparents'. 
For the experience, I was about seven or eight, and they lived on an acre of land with a pseudo-trailer park. All of the houses around us were double-wide trailers on their own acre or so of land. Um, lots of these were wooded or at least really overgrown. My grandparents had a carpet or a carport um, us grandkids had helped build in a willow tree. Oh, the willow trees ah, are willow. coming back. Right. All right. Next to the carport, oftentimes, um, and the uh, next to the carport, uh, oftentimes the carport was used as storage more than a carport. But this was one of the times nothing was under the carport. So you could see the willow tree in the land very clearly that night. It was the middle of summer and the cicadas were singing along with uh, some other animal noises like coyotes and dogs could be heard at all of the other people around also had cattle or horses. So you'd often hear cows mooing and horses too, usually all night. We had all gone to bed relatively early uh, that night. I don't remember why, but I remember everything kind of felt just a bit weird. My great-grandma seemed super spacey and concerned, and none of us kids knew why. So I had gone to bed and fallen asleep. I woke up in the middle of the night. I've never been a sound sleeper. I always have woken up throughout the night for one reason or another. I was sitting there just listening to the cicadas because it was kind of like a white noise machine and would help me go back to sleep sometimes. I remember getting this weird feeling I was being watched or at least like something was standing near me. I looked around the room and nothing was there. My sibling was asleep on the bed across the room and I figured they had slept walk and um, stood up to uh, something as they often did. But they were just asleep on the bed. I thought it was weird, but I didn't think too much of, of it. I then started to hear like a faint melody. It started as just a faint humming sound, and then the more I listened, the more it turned into singing, like full-on singing. No understandable words, but I could feel something being said and hear a melody. My grandparents' room was well soundproofed and across the house on the other end. My great-grandmother in the room next to us didn't have any electronics or anything that would have made noise, so I was very confused. At this point, all the other sounds that I had been listening to were gone, and it was just the humming. I sat listening for a while and I remember it not being like unsettling. I wasn't scared. I think in the moment I was more curious than scared. Then I got an intense urge to look out my window. Being a child with impulse control, I sat up and opened um, my blinds just a bit and looked over at the carport and then to the tree line and then to the willow tree. At first, I didn't see anything, but I kept looking at the willow tree. And then under some of the higher branches on the ground, a faint green pool started to form. And after it had formed, a shape started to rise out of it in the same color. And as this happened, the humming slash singing kept getting louder. The, she shape, uh, shaped fully formed out of the pool. And it looks like a femme presenting something. It's glowing faintly and just standing there until this point, I hadn't been scared at all, but now I'm starting to feel something other than pleasant curiosity. The figure started to turn towards my window and I felt the most intense cold and fear sensation I had ever felt like I had just been dropped in a freezer and I was terrified. I can't even begin to explain the fear I felt. I also was seemingly unable to look away before 
I, uh, it turned fully towards our window. My great grandmother grabbed my shoulder and turned me away from the window. Apparently she had also heard the humming and had come to check on me and the sibling and my siblings. When she got the same feeling I was getting and immediately pulled me away from the window. So that figure didn't see me looking at it. My grandma, my great grandmother looked pale and scared and she told me to never look out the window. when I had those feelings again. She didn't tell me why, but she made me promise I wouldn't always, I would always remember to pretend nothing was there and I would be safe. I promised. And she sat with me until I fell back asleep. I've asked her about that night so many times and she refuses to speak of it. I have no clue what it might have been or what danger I was actually in, but I'd love any information just for closure because I still sometimes have nightmares about it. I also have many more family experiences I can share and many of my own that I'd also love answers for. Well, that sounds, that's interesting. That is like very fae. I was just saying this is a high like, yeah. storyline, especially with the willow tree. Yes. And willow trees are, um, uh, oftentimes the site of portals to mm-hmm. a fae realm, uh, or to, if you're not talking about fae, just to the concept of, um, being able to, um, switch planes, uh, a willow tree is oftentimes used. As a matter of fact, the willow, the wood of a willow tree is oftentimes used to ward off evil, um, because the threat there is that you can send whatever it is back to where it belongs through use of willow. So yeah, there's a lot, and it falls into a lot of the um, indigenous culture concept mm-hmm. of um, the attention you pay is the price you pay. If you look at something. And it notes that you're looking, you are basically making a deal with it. Mm-hmm. You are, um, you know, that's that's the proverbial deal with the devil in that sense. Once it recognizes that you see it, you have locked into a contract with whatever it is. And so, yeah, it's very interesting. It is interesting. And it makes me wonder, too, if your grandma wasn't familiar with the um, uh, face snatching children often. Mm-hmm. Um because children are very beloved by Faye. They love, oh, yeah. you know, and so there have been multiple stories in folklore of, you know, children seeing Faye outside their window and then suddenly they're kidnapped right. into a new Faye realm and whatnot. The and principle so, of, of most Faye stories involving children is, is you know, being snatched. <laughs> right. And a lot of Faye entities, too, utilize singing. They have these beautiful voices, almost siren-like, but siren yeah. are in their own category. Um, but drawing you out, making yes. you look, making you, yeah, yeah. Feel comfortable because right. it's such a beautiful music, you know? And so, uh, interesting, though, for Texas. I've never heard any Texas Faye encounters, but... Cultures, you know, are carried on the backs of the the migrants you know that's a good point so whenever uh people are introduced to a community oftentimes they bring with them their specific brand of belief and the and the the spirits and the creatures that haunt them become residents of the new place and oftentimes it's the energy of the new place that is just trying to accommodate your faith and your belief right. by formulating something as close to it as they possibly can approximate. Well, and it makes me wonder partially too, if there, th- that's a good point of, you know, if there's maybe a lot of Irish immigrants in that area, sure. because this is really 
um, denoting more of an Irish fae Right, realm. it has a very Druidic, and yeah. because uh, the willow tree, the green, mm-hmm. green light and green pools are oftentimes an uh, indicator of the Tiranog mm-hmm. connection. So yeah, there's there's a lot that you could you could you could sort of work backwards and say, well, where have I heard similar? Where right. have I heard similar? And they do kind of all point back to Irish tradition and Irish uh, folklore. So, but yeah, thank you, Salem, for sending in those stories. Those yeah, are absolutely. both heavy hitters. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> those are great. Yeah, send us more. Um, we'd love to hear them. But uh, moving on to our next one. Uh, this one comes from Riley. Hello, Haunted City Pod. My name is Riley, longtime listener, first time caller. <laughs> I have lived on the same property almost all of my life. It shared multi, uh, multi-generationally over several households between my grandparents, my parents, and my siblings and myself. The property itself was originally a homestead built just before 1920, about 10 miles out of the nearest town. It was an um, operating farm for many years, and it held um, held by the same family until roughly the 1970s when the last descendant uh, that wanted to remain on the property died. Her spirit has been confirmed to remain in the original farmhouse by a gifted medium, but she doesn't cause much trouble. My aunt, who was raised from a child in the original farmhouse, has experienced the most acute and most physical symptoms of the haunting. Um, Always feeling watched, hearing scratching and knocks from inside the walls, heavy footsteps from work boots sounding on the stairs um, in the middle of the night and coming to a stop outside her bedroom door. Having books thrown off her bookshelf while she watched from her bed, seeing and hearing shadows and flashes of a child's leg running up and down the staircase, to seeing a full-bodied apparition of a young boy with blue skin sitting cross-legged on the floor. I don't like that. Um, Waiting for her in the bathroom. I really don't like that. Among many, many other Mm. experiences. No, 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 no. For context, on um, my aunt, she was adopted by my grandparents out of an extremely abusive and neglectful environment at a very young age. She doesn't remember the abuse, but was dealing with symptoms of extreme PTSD for most of her childhood. She and I both believe that because of that, she was going through, at the time, much of the haunting she experienced. It had less to do with any resident entities and more to do with being an easy mark for an, the attachment of something non-human because of how vulnerable she was at the time however we have also come to believe that whatever entity that preyed on her throughout her childhood may not have left the property with her when she had moved away we think that i may have encountered it myself as i was similarly vulnerable for very uh, similar reasons as her as to things i have personally experienced there have been a range of low level activity going on for most of my life not frequent enough for severe or severe enough to paint my childhood as infested with activity and the way that my aunt's childhood was but enough to leave a distinct paranormal aftertaste Listed below are some of the more distinct but mild experiences that stick out in my memory that I would like to give a brief overview of before going into the encounters that I would like to focus on, just to give as much context and background as possible. So hearing voices coming from the outside, uh, outside the house in the middle of the night. When no one on was outside, not the original farmhouse, but my parents' house, which was added in the 90s. Feeling my covers being pulled very slowly and very gently off me at night while trying to fall asleep. 
having whatever my worst fear at uh, any given time being projected outward in my mind's eye to three hyper-specific locations around the property Hmm. throughout my childhood and into adulthood still to this day. When I was younger, the visualization was much more, uh, much stronger to the degree that it could almost be considered a hallucination. But that faded with time, and the spots where those fear projections happen have never changed and are still just as intense and dread feeling. I have to actively avoid them and even avoid thinking about them if I can help it. I was pathologically unable to sleep with my door open or in a place that would be able to be seen from the hall. If I didn't have a door at the time, I spent most of my teen years sleeping in my closet because as a child, I would see slash feel something watching me from the hallway. Not a hat man, I promise. (laughs) (laughs) And I never got over it. Hearing my name called in whispers, feeling like I'm being watched from a distance and from right behind me. Um, Feeling like I'm being stalked and followed all only outside at night while I was out walking. Having a glass on an empty shadow box spontaneously shatter outwards with no discernible reason for it at all. Uh, An extreme disquieting sighting of a doppelganger of me by a friend of mine in high school while she was staying over for the night. I had left my bedroom to use the restroom and get some midnight snacks for both of us. And I had to pass through the family room and the laundry room to get to the main section of the house where everyone uh, else's bedrooms and the kitchen was located. So I left I left the light to both rooms as well as my bedroom on as I went so that I wouldn't have to walk back in the dark. When I got back to my room, my friend gave me a funny look and kind of exacerbatedly addressed me as if I had just made a joke. And she found a, that she found amusing but tiring. Uh, that was weird staring at me like that was, uh, staring at me like that from the laundry room. I asked her what she was talking about and she continues for a minute or so thinking that I was feigning ignore ignorance as part of a bit until she realized I truly didn't know what she was talking about. She explained that from her place on the floor of my room where she had sat, she had a straight line of sight all the way through the family room and laundry room. She said that she had seen me leaning over at nearly a hundred degree angle from the far door of the laundry room so that only my upper torso was visible and the rest of my body obscured in the hallway Mm. beyond the laundry room. She said that I had made dead eye contact with her and smiled ear to ear. Never breaking eye contact or moving until she finally got creeped down enough to break contact and partially obscure herself from the door to my bedroom. We obviously had our freak out and immediately went on an all night research hole to try to figure out what had just happened. But the weirdest aspect of the entire encounter is that she said it looked exactly like me, but it was wearing clothes that were out of time. She pegged that them as mid to late seventies and distinct enough to be identified as such from a distance the main experience i would like to talk about centers around the barn attached to the original homestead it's where almost all uh, all of the more uncomfortable experiences i've had have taken place the feeling watched slash talked slash hearing my name is in the location of the strongest fear projection area as mentioned above so 
to start with a description, it's a gigantic old world looking thing in varying states of disrepair that to this day, I make myself walk faster if I have the misfortune of having to pass it on a foot on foot while on my way to visit my grandmother. We're talking multiple stories, haylofts made up of wood so old and worn it's sun bleached gray nearing black, a downright ominous structure, open and rotting mainly used for um, storage of things that are never going to see the light of day again. Ever since I was a kid, I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that there was something there that did not want me in there. I knew it lived up in the rafters and on the roof and that as long as I didn't go inside there at night, I would be okay. I gave the barn a wide, wide berth when I could, got used to being stared down by it and whatever it housed when I passed by or, God forbid, had to do something inside it. The intensity of its presence, or rather my awareness of it, faded as I aged and my mind turned the more important teenage uh, to more important teenage things like how cool I was (laughs) and how deep and edgy and mysterious I was. It was in all this deep, edgy mysteriousness that I started taking several hour long walks around the property at night. Every night I had next to no privacy in my house. So I leaned into the walks with nothing but me, myself and my skip resistant CD player quite heavily. um, I still had a healthy aware uh, weariness of the barn and avoided going inside it. But I was usually somewhere around it, wandering in a vague loop in and about its vicinity. For years and years, I did this every night. This is when I would feel watched, followed, stalked, and hear my name called out. I would go home immediately any time one of these happened, but I was right back out there the next night doing it all over again. I was truly desperate for any alone time during this time of my life, and it was also always all too easy to debunk my experiences as anxiety or overactive imagination during the day while surrounded by people. The main encounter happened on a balmy night sometime in mid-August when I was about 17. I was out on one of my walks doing as I usually did, just enjoying my music and the cool breeze, and I had been out walking for probably about an hour already. It was almost ready to wrap it up for the night. It was close to 3 a.m. already, and I had to get to work in the morning. Nothing had felt amiss or unsettled the entire time I had been out that night, I decided I was done and turned around to start the walk home. And just as I did, something huge and pale white came charging at me on all fours from the barn. Oh, God. It was humanoid, sickly emaciated with exaggeratedly long limbs and chalky white skin. That was rotting off its body, not a wet, bloated kind of putrefaction rot. It was a dried out and powdery kind of rot. Big rotting pits in its eye sockets and mouth that looked like it wasn't supposed to be there, but was torn open and left to fester. The closest familiar visual I can ascribe to it... Yeah, is um, the the rake, um, the creepypasta from ages ago. I will attach an image of it in case you're unfamiliar. Oh, we are all too familiar. You are good to go. Um, But this happened long before I had ever seen it. It was screaming at me, but the sound was distant. Like I wouldn't have heard it if my mind hadn't realized what it was doing and that I was supposed to be hearing something along with the action. When I say it was charging at me, I mean charging at me, barreling towards me at full speed like it was going to mow me down. It closed the distance between us so quickly 
I didn't even have time to react. Just enough to see it, register what was happening, take a breath in and start to brace myself for impact. When I first turned around, it was a good 30 feet away from me and it was right in front of me in less than a second. It was right on top of me, less than two feet away from impact and it vanished, blinked out of existence. I was so paralyzed by shock and fear, I couldn't move for almost a full two minutes. I just stood there, still braced for a full body blow that never came, trying to process what had just happened. After I regained my senses a bit, I booked it from uh, home, mad dash style fast, and I could and shuddered myself up in my room for hours. I didn't go on a walk for months after that. Similarly, there was something that inhabited the oak grove that ran all along the black, the backside of the property that didn't like me specifically. An awareness of it started again when I was a kid, feeling like I was being watched from on high in the branches and that I was not welcome there. It got worse as I got older and it, I stopped going out there all night uh, altogether, often while I was out at night. I would feel it watching me from the trees, but I was far enough away from the grove that I felt safe. As long as I didn't come to uh, get too close, I knew it wouldn't harm me. Occasionally, I would feel watching from above the trees, like floating above the canopy. I can't describe it any other way. I could always just feel where it was watching, watching from. I only ever saw what was out there once from a distance, but it wasn't human at the least. I was out on one of my walks, knew I was uh, watching, and instinctively glanced to where the feeling was coming from. I saw a figure step out from behind a tree. The only light I had was from a full moon, so the details are vague, but I had, uh, but it had horns and no clothing. Its skin looked texture like papery bark and seemed to be brown and green and gray, kind of molted. I didn't think it was the same entity or even the same class of entity, but what I encountered at the bar uh, as what I encountered at the barn. But th this did happen around the same time as when I was charged at. I can't say for certain, but this one felt way too different to be the same uh, ballpark as each other. Similarly, territorial maybe, but this one was more like it was protecting something and it viewed me as a threat to that. I've long speculated with friends that there was a portal or a vortex of some kind in the area of the grove that it was most frequently in and that it had either taken up the task of guarding it or had claimed it as its own and viewed me as competition of some kind. No other person I ever brought to the grove, sensitive or non, felt threatened or disquieted in any way. It only was directed at me. The hostility towards me seemed to increase the more I got into studying witchcraft and as my practice grew. At the time, I thought the hostility was perhaps defensive and that it may had been aware of my practice developing and feared I may try to banish it slash displace it in some way. Though truthfully, it never crossed my mind. Apart from warding my private spaces, bedrooms, and bathrooms, I've always approached the spiritual world with a don't mess with me, I don't mess with you. <laughs> you were here before me. It's not my place to turn you out unless you cause my pro me problems mindset. As scary as these experiences with these two entities were, they were not in my private spaces, so I never felt like that was my place to do anything about them. It's been years since I felt anything from the oak grove. I believe whatever it was has moved on or at least gone dormant. Uh, the last experience I would like to share was nothing has nothing to do with my family property, but I think you may find interesting all the same. 
The first and only time I ever experienced sleep paralysis was staying the night at a friend's house, sleeping on the floor of her bedroom on some couch cushions. She had patently told me her new house was haunted earlier that day, but not to worry because the ghosts were friendly. I had no reason not to believe her, and with many disconcerting but non-frightening paranormal experiences under my belt at this time, I wasn't worried about it. Haunted house didn't automatically mean dark and scary, plus she seemed completely non-pulsed plus about it. So I put it out of my mind and enjoyed the night catching up with my friend. I woke up laying on my side facing her bed. I had my back to the far wall, thus had a clear view of the entire room, including her bed and the door. The first thing I noticed consciously was the enormous amount of pressure weighing down on me. Not on my chest, but along the length of my body. It felt like I was laying at the bottom of the ocean. All that weight pressing into just that side of my body. It's not that I feel like I can't move. It felt like I could. It's just hard enough. But that I didn't have the strength needed to do so. Her bedroom door starts to open slowly like it would have, uh, like it would if it were unlatched and had caught a draft. Except that we had specifically latched it to keep her cat out. A tall black featureless silhouette entered through the door and went directly over to my sleeping friend in her bed. I leaned over her very, very close to her. Genuinely, it was akin to what I think a vampire attack would look like in a fashion of a a Stoker novel. I was filled with so much dread and fear. I was, I watched it take whatever it took from her being pressed to the ground by an impossible force. And then quickly as it started, the figure straightened and casually made its way back into the door, leaving it open behind it as it went It never once regarded or acknowledged me in any way. I'm not sure if it was even aware I could see it. The paralysis never actually fully broke. I just fell asleep again not long after it left the room. My friend had unexplained bruises on her when she woke up, which she attributed to her cat jumping on her in the night since her door was open when she woke up. Apparently the cat had been opening her door at night and leaving bruises on her in the night for weeks at this point, even though the old tabby hated her bedroom and basically refused to go in it during the day. I tried to tell her what I saw that night before, but she wouldn't hear it out. Um, She was insistent that the house ghost was benevolent and that she had personally communicated with it. I didn't want to ask exactly how she had so directly communicated with it. Needless to say, I never went back to her house again. I've never heard of anyone else with a similar sleep paralysis story, and I would love to get y'all's thoughts on it, as well as the other encounters. Thankfully, my experiences have settled down quite a bit, I think due to me shuddering my sensitivities to the paranormal as much as I can. I have a tremendous amount of respect for it, but I can't handle all that noise. Thanks so much, Riley. Oof. Well, that was a, a novel There's of a, a paranormal lot happening there. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, sounds like your property is ground zero for a lot of a lot of iffy things. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's interesting because it it's there is something that a lot of people overlook in doppelganger stories is um, if the doppelganger doesn't look like you, what does it look like? Um, there is a belief that doppelganger is a type of race of entity and that when it doesn't have a form, it is oftentimes described as skeletal, thin, white, Mm, you know, interesting, um, uh, which lends credence to the skinwalker 
uh, analogy, which a lot of people, when they say they see a skinwalker, it is uh, in, in its natural form, it is it is like a human animal hybrid, very white, very powdery, sickly looking. Um, but they have the ability to transfer and look at um, look like whatever they want to look like, um, which brings about this interesting thing of not being seen from the hallway. Make sure your door is closed or not being seen from the hallway. Because there is a belief that a doppelganger gets to look like you by observing you, by watching you. And the longer it watches you, the more solid its interpretation of you, its imitation of you. So the fact that you are hiding from it so much, it must have had a very tenuous grip on looking like you. To the point at which it may not be fully formed as a full doppelganger. It may only be looking like you from you know the mid-torso up. Right. Which is probably what your friend saw. And it's possible that at that moment, the doppelganger was trying to assume your friend's identity by staring so dead-eyed at her. And the fact that she was of a presence mind to get out of the line of sight of that entity probably saved her a lot of grief. Although you might want to check in on her. <laughs> um, right. Um, but the concept of of the, the creature that comes barreling out at you and coming you know, out to you, uh, that could be... Um, Skinwalker as well uh, in in the sen- sensation because um, people t- say that Skinwalkers move so incredibly fast that it's yeah. like blink of the eye and they're you know and some people will use uh, will say they're kind of feline esque mm. you know and, mm-hmm. and and make that like connection there but the fact that it, it barreled out at you on all fours and now here's the even more intriguing thing the horned man in the grove. And why he doesn't like you may very well be because he doesn't like the doppelganger. And he knows that the doppelganger is trying to look like you. So you might just, you know, you you might just be, he, he can't risk allowing that type of entity into his protected grove, you know, because then the horned man typically is again, uh, druidic. Mm-hmm. In in you know uh, the description that you gave really feels like the green man, the, the horned yep. man, this this entity that lives amongst, usually in groves of trees, mm-hmm. <laughs> and is very protective of the nature and the uh, and the environment. Does not really want any any unsettlement, and other magical creatures, of course, want his stuff. You know, they want his power. His his you know, um, he's a, he's a high ranking power individual. So, you know, if, if, if you're going by like folklore and stories, those, those all seem to be kind of what's coming about it. Um, next up, I believe your sleep paralysis was just you being present for a incubus attack. Mm-hmm. You just happened to be in the presence of an incubus coming in and doing his, his, his feeding. Um, so, you know, the way you described it, the way a lot of that comes down, uh, sounded very incubus to me. Mm-hmm. And the fact that he had nothing to do with you, um, his presence is enough to stop you. And I don't think you're supposed to be awake when that happens. You're not. I, I don't I, think so. I, I think that that he's 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 exerting a lot of a, a lot of force probably throughout the whole house to make sure no one gets up, no one, you know, uh is aroused by wrongdoing, you know, um if your friend were to scream, his presence 
basically nullifies anyone's ability to get up and do anything about it. So, uh, yeah, that th- those are three very solid, like they, they at least bring up those, that kind of imagery in my mind, uh, from stories that I've heard and, and, and read and, and the familiarity I have with certain brands of creature. Right. But it does sound like you've got a doppelganger. It does sound like that doppelganger is a creature trying to mimic you. Cause some people believe that doppelgangers are born at the same moment you're born and always look like you, that that is a, a type and brand mm-hmm. of doppelganger. But there's also the mimic characters, right. uh, calling out your name, trying to get your attention, Suspicious. trying to pull you out. You know, all of that has that kind of classic, if they can get you away from uh, from the society that you live in, they can take over and then return to the society as you. So there's a lot of interesting tidbits in it. But um, but really, that's that was Quite it, uh, a, a, yeah. a, a, a ghost mail. You're living in like a fantasy horror of sorts. It's um, absolutely. You should think about writing a book. Yes, <laughs> uh, honestly. Um, yeah, I'm definitely getting. I, I like your point on the doppelganger being the skinwalker as well, because I immediately thought skinwalker. But um, I also think the horned man is some type of protective entity, and that is a good point to bring up. That even if a entity is of good nature and is protective doesn't mean that they're not stern. Right. And, and in their protection there. Exactly. You know, you, you, you do not register as a, uh, a good person. <laughs> right. It doesn't matter. You're, in, you're encroaching. Exactly. So I think that that is definitely, um, so he's protecting something mm-hmm. there, whether it be a portal or Sounds a, like a sacred grove. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, and then the I, I thought Incubus exactly too, um, because that is sometimes common when people have Incubus or Succubus type encounters where they don't feel ill feelings towards right. the they feel attacker. Affection. Yeah, it's it's a really bizarre thing. So the fact that your friend was so intense about being like, no, it's benevolent, it's good. It's right. like I've con- I've contacted, I've exactly. communicated with it. Because a lot of times people fall in love with their incubi or succubi mm-hmm. because typically it's a pseudo-sexual relationship. Mm-hmm. You know, but at the very least, it is a seduction no matter what. Right. And so, um, yeah, and I highly doubt your friend would ever be like, hey, I'm having a, <laughs> a fling, I'm with, having my, a fling with, with my incubus. But <laughs> A shadow man who shows up. He's not wearing a hat. He's not wearing a hat. <laughs> yeah, no, he's special, but... Um, but yeah, I, I completely agree with those assessments. But yeah, you should definitely write a book that is insane, Riley. But um, also, but, if you ever want to have us out to your uh, property, yeah, <laughs> seriously, uh, we would we would we would love to kick around an old uh, creepy barn and uh, Some more. And, and a yeah and a giant uh, uh, a giant grove guarded by uh, one of the man. ancient gods. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, but thank you guys so much for listening to today's episode. Hopefully you enjoyed this. Uh, if you have a ghost mail you want to send in, you can send it to Haunted City Podcast. Well, ghostmail at hauntedcitypodcast.com. Uh, but with that, my name is Madison Timmons. I'm Chris Susie, And stay spooky, y'all.